massive welcome to you, AJ, to be part of our Humans at Work podcast. So for those of you who don't know, our Humans at Work podcast is part of the Being More Human series of content that's produced. And this specific series, we're looking at leaders, business owners, and CEOs who have their finger on the pulse of really what's happening in organisations in relation to leadership, culture, and the future of work. So that's the theme of the conversation for the next 20 minutes. And I thought a good way to start is to ask AJ just to share how she got the name AJ because I think that's just an interesting way to start. Very interesting way. I was not expecting that, but I like your surprise questions. Um, So AJ um, stands for Alexandria Joy, which is actually my two middle names. So um, I previously was a bit of a greedy one with four names and it was during actually a pilgrimage, a spiritual pilgrimage in India um, where I had done a lot of work on myself in the lead up to and had been doing a lot of daily spiritual practices and meditation and had also been through some career and life changes. And whilst I was there, we um, went on a bit of a trek up into the Himalayas And it was while I was on top of a mountain that had a beautiful temple um, to the female goddesses um, of Mother Earth that I just um, was overcome kind of with some emotion and feeling and sensation from the place and had a bit of an epiphany that I should change my name to my second name, which was Alexandria. And so I dropped my first name, Heidi. And for a while, I went by Alex and Alexandria, but it still didn't quite feel right. Um, And then on the return to Australia, I decided to drop my surname as well and just go by my two middle names. So I became Ms. Joy. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a mouthful, I think, for people. And um, AJ just popped out one day and instantly I got this knowing that that's it. And so from then on, I've just been AJ. Yeah. Fantastic. And let, let's let's allow that question to lead us into the leadership question. Mm. In your in your observation and experience with clients, what kind of combination are people making of their spiritual life and their leadership journey? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have even shared that story, perhaps publicly. And yet um, today it's become much more commonplace to talk about spiritual practices um, and to think about the combination of a whole life, of our personal and our professional, our soul and our heart and bringing that to work. And there was the odd person like a Robert Greenleaf maybe talking about servant leadership. There was things like heart math. But more and more now we're hearing an integration of that in the workplace. And more and more, I mean, A decade ago, you wouldn't have heard many people talk about mindfulness or meditation. And now that's taught in schools. Um, It's part of um, often the discussion in CEO circles. And people talk about in order to get peak performance, how they might be doing some of those kind of practices to clear the slate, to keep themselves open and to, um, I guess, handle some of the stress that comes with modern day work and life. Hmm. And I guess that's an interesting distinction that's also worth exploring is this idea, I agree with you, there's much more presence in the workplace of all of those things Hmm. and people are focused on peak performance. But how much do you think it is that is just a true focus on someone's desire to be the best version of themselves 
as opposed to this external bar they have to jump about being the best CEO? Like how much is intrinsic versus intrinsic in this spiritual journey? I think we're still pretty low on the tipping point. I would say, you know, if you did a bell curve, there are some who have fully embraced it, but there are still a lot that are going, oh, is this just the next thing? You know, is mindfulness or meditation or spiritual practice um, just the next thing? And, you know, there's a thing called SQ now. So we have IQ and EQ, I have UQ, and now there's SQ, which is your spiritual quotient or, you know, your spiritual intelligence. And that's now starting to be talked about in leadership circles. But I think like anything, when it's something new, um, a new to the Western world, I would say, and to the business world of corporate capitalism, this stuff's ancient, you know, and if you look at any Indigenous cultures or Asian cultures, you know, it's been around as an ancient wisdom for many, many moons. And they, um, you know, you visit other countries where spiritual practice is much more ingrained in just everyday life. You know, they don't see it as an add-on. It's just the way they live. Um, and so I think it's still a bit of an add-on in corporate world that yeah. um, we, we often work with people in. Um, so for those, you know, we're co-writing a book at the moment all around self-actualisation for CEOs, so this is yes. very on topic for us. So I'm just wondering, for those CEOs where it is more intrinsic and it's very genuine and it's their authentic path, yeah. kind of... If you step back and you look at an organisation run by a leader that is like that, that thinks that way, that has the openness to those things, what are you likely to see in that population of humans in that workplace that you don't see elsewhere? Yeah, great question. And I think, um, oh, it goes so deep. It's kind of how do you answer that in a minute or two? Um, I definitely believe that an organisation only ever grows to the level of the leader. And so that growth and the depth of the leader is where you get growth and depth in an organisation. And when you're looking at how do we balance people with profit, purpose and the planet, you actually need self-actualised leaders who understand how to lead with heart and how to use, yes, logic and left brain, but right brain and compassion and humanity as well. And so those organisations that truly genuinely embrace that and have leaders who are very much in the self-actualised journey, they're having better bottom line profits. They're far more sustainable. And they're also contributing to a very different new world that we really truly need to embrace because we've very much come to a point where we're frying everything. And if we don't make a shift, we are on a fast trajectory to not a great place. So those leaders are truly showing the way. And I think it's through their profits and some of the good things they're doing in the community and their brand that they're building perhaps that some others that might have been on that path are starting to sit up and listen. So that's nice that they can kind of draw them in a little. Um, but genuinely, there's lots of companies and people who are on that path. And I think, you know, our world is going to be a much better place the more we embrace that. The humans inside that organisation, I believe, are far healthier and they're doing a lot to heal some of the things that have gone on for generations through being that way. And so you'll find there's more loyalty, there's more trust um, through challenging times, which we've experienced recently in the world, you know, with a global pandemic, through those kind of times, you're seeing those leaders really create a community where there is a cushion of goodwill and where they're held and supported and the people are also willing to give back to the leader, you know, because there's that genuine trust. 
And so even a shift with people starting to work from home more, they're more able to adapt to that and to trust their employees to do the right thing. Those organisations that aren't there yet are still needing you to check in and be online all the time and what are you doing and all of those sorts of things. And that's the old world. So we do need to transition. Yeah, and I think what's been interesting is that in many ways this has been an enabled transition. Um, You could use other words to describe it, but it's been an enabled transition in the sense that a lot of people weren't ready for it, but it's happened anyway. And from my point of view, there's nothing but good as a result of that because organisations and our individuals have had to face things that they've actually been in denial about for a very long time, including things like how negative workplaces, traditional workplaces can actually be on our health and wellbeing. So some of the things as you were talking, you were saying people will be more healthy, they will, and there'll be less bullying and harassment claims and there'll be less mental health challenges in the workplace. So there's a lot of tangible things that people find it difficult to struggle with in within organisations that absolutely change as a result of their leader or their leaders being very holistic and driven by that intrinsic desire to be more as opposed to to produce more. What's been interesting is as people have worked from home and they've seen each other on Zoom and so they've held up their pet dog and cat, you know, they've seen their kids walking around in the background and their partners and those sorts of things. It's rather than separating life and work, you know, and coming to work and seeing work colleagues and that's the only context I see them, they're actually seeing people at their whole life. And so there is this kind of family first, a bit of a shared values, we're all in this together. And it has enabled, I think, for some organisations, more direct conversations about how are you going, more awareness of mental health, because for many people, they've struggled working at home and not coming into the office. And I was recently talking to someone in Malaysia, and they've got a company there with about 80 staff who normally come into an office and work together. And they said within a few weeks of COVID, they were really struggling, all of them, because they were missing each other and having that kind of um, contact, even though they were doing their Zooms and daily huddles. And so they said to the team, what do you want to do about it? And they ended up organising their own trivia nights and set up to have trivias once a week. And um, so that's how they stayed social and connected. And they would all bring their kids and their families and play trivia together. And So that's how I think things are starting to evolve. And really going back to what we see, um, and I talk about in my 10 degree shift model, what you see in blue zones or communities around the world where they are very healthy, there's great well-being and there's super connection. So people are born into a community or a tribe. They feel their sense of belonging. They um, have healthy diets and um, exercise. They have some purpose and meaning. They contribute to their communities and they know and trust each other. And I think we've been separate for too long and we we need to come back that way. Yeah, it's also an interesting comment, though, on the leadership of those regions that have blue zones because, you know, you're thinking from a fractal point of view, you're not going to have a community that has that level of health and that depth of well-being unless you have a series of leaders that have that in the first place that are taking them on that journey. And I think that's what's really interesting around the blue zones. Just just talk about that just a teen a bit more for people that sure. have heard that term before. 
And I think it just quickly, it goes back to what you were just mentioning before on the fractal plane, that what happens at the micro then happens at the macro. So in an organisation, when you have a self-actualised leader who is more likely to be healthy and well themselves and have done some of their own healing physically, emotionally, spiritually, and are able to hold that space, you start to see that react in the organization they're more likely to make healthier choices themselves in their personal life and then bring that to the workplace so they're more likely to have healthier snacks in the workplace they look at movement um, they talk through issues and challenges right so there's that kind of happening so the blue zones um, are areas around the world where um, it's been found that there are more centenarians than anywhere else. So people living to be over 100 and not just that they reach that age, but they do so in a well-being way and that they're happy and vibrant. And so they're, um, they are areas where people do drink a glass of wine a day. That's interesting. But um, they tend to do a lot of incidental movement. They have very strong connection and um, to family and to community. For many of them, they, um, so in Okinawa, in Japan, for example, they are born into a group. So they literally from birth get put into a group of other people of the same sex, of gender, in their local area when they're born. So five or six of them will then travel through life together. And that little close-knit group will meet at least once a week, if not every day in some of the villages. And so you meet 90 and 100-year-old people who have this little group of friends that they've had for life, literally, and have been through everything with. And so they just have this, um, I guess, sense of safety and that everything will be okay. And that doesn't mean they don't go through normal life hardships, but they have this shared values that they can rely on. Um, they tend to eat more plant-powered-based kind of diets, um, and they also have growth mindsets. So they are looking for opportunities. They're okay to fail and to try things. Um, yeah, but family first is a big one and not making work and life separate, but actually going, how do we integrate that? Mm. And I think if you, if you think about the purpose of integration at a holistic soul level, it mm. is really about bringing all of our parts that have shattered because of our woundedness and our injury together in one integration mm. is so to me it makes so much more sense that our worlds in general become more integrated because then people have more oversight about the fact that you have to I met a lady yesterday she has seven kids like do you have any appreciation of what it would take wow. to arrange seven kids before she gets to work every day do you know what I mean? Whereas if, you, if you're then brought into her world a bit more like you're saying and you're integrated and you can see what some of those challenges are, well, maybe you're not going to be such an asshole boss to her if she gets to work a few minutes late, you know, things like that. And what I love even what you're saying there as well is if you think of the human body as a micro and, and an organism, you know, or an ecology as well, um, if you have disease, your whole body comes together to fight that, you know, and all of the cells, no matter whether they're heart or lung or blood or bone, they're all working together to try and heal the body and come together. And I think the gift in some of the disasters and challenges we've experienced of late in the world is that it's an opportunity for us to all to come together as the organism and to work together and to pull in. And a company and its culture is very similar. So you'll see people in silos and fragmentation or the us and them with bosses and leaders. Instead, we need to be going, we're an ecology, we're one environment, we're just different cells 
with a different function maybe. So I might have a different title, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to keep this healthy human together. And so if we thought of our organisations as this one organism and go, what is my role as a little cell bringing to that, then we wouldn't compete with each other. We wouldn't be like, that's my bit of budget or that's my project or, you know, why didn't they help? We would literally want to. We'd all be running to support each other. primary function would be focusing on healing for the good of the entire system. And that's very interesting if you think of it organisationally. That's another whole podcast conversation. (laughs) Quickly, just to wrap up, you and I are part of a brand called Human Power. Can you give us your two-second version of Human Power and what it's all about? So human power is a combination of your company, which is being more human and mine, UQ Power. And we brought that together around how do we support some of the shifts happening in the world and creating more sustainable practices in business and community and integrating that. And so we formed human power around the global development goals or the sustainable development goals, which were um, developed by the UN with consultation worldwide. And there are a number of targets and goals by the year 2030 for um, organisations, governments, humans to buy into. And we certainly look at how we can play that out in our local community. So our human power brands looking at the micro level, what can we do to bring people together around some of these sustainable changes? And then that will have a ripple effect. So um, we're not trying to change everything around the world. We're just doing bits in our own backyard and where we know we can make a difference. Fantastic. As always, it's such a pleasure and I love hearing your insights on leadership and organisations and cultures and I think absolutely for us to have the take-home of this being going out and thinking of our organisation as a living system because, in fact, it is a living system and that's how it does operate. I think there's a lot of value just in that thought. Yeah, and if I can add one more thing. So as a um, yoga teacher and a yoga therapist, everything I would do with a client to help bring balance back to their body. I think it's really important we look at the middle path. It's not pushing too hard and it's also not slacking off. But what can we do to bring back balance to an organism where it is super healthy and where it has vibrant life force? That's what's most important. So look around your organisation and go, does it have vibrant life force? Is it healthy and alive? And if it's not and there's some little pockets that are unwell, Get everyone behind fixing that and healing that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Hugely appreciated. And uh, we'll chat soon, no doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely.